You're listening to episode 174 of the Tennis Files podcast on mindset transformation with special guest Nathan DeVere. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. My name is Mirban Iranshad, a former Division I college tennis player. And on the show, I interview the world's top pros, coaches, and experts to help you improve your tennis game. And today, I have coach Nathan DeVere, who is a mental performance expert, and he specializes in helping tennis players and athletes master their mind with proven mindset strategies. Uh, he is a very good player as well. He played Division One tennis at DePaul University, and he's based in Amsterdam, Netherlands. And you can check out his work at NathanDeVere.com, as well as his uh, social profiles, which you'll link to in the, uh, on the show notes page. But I'm excited to have him on because he has posted a lot of great content and made a lot of great content on the mental game. And, you know, as you probably know, if you've listened to me before, I highly stress this area because it's it really can limit your potential and what you can achieve. A lot of times we blame our technique or even our strategy when really what we need the most is to to shift our mindset and that will allow us to persevere both in matches and um in your 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 true in your path uh to achieving your true tennis potential and even in practices so i really think that this episode is uh, going to be of a lot of value for you and before we launch in i just want to obviously uh, wish you all the best and hope you're doing well and hope you're getting to play some tennis safely. Uh, and it's also pretty cool that Nathan just spontaneously during this episode decided to do a uh, giveaway of sorts where if you actually um, follow him in his at his Instagram uh, page and then like his content and then share it as well. When I say content, actually, <laughs> I should specify if you follow his account, uh, like his post on our podcast episode, and then share it, then uh, he will raffle off um, one free coaching session to um, to one person out of um, all the individuals who end up doing that. So that's pretty exciting. Um, let me actually bring up <laughs> his YouTube page so I can, or his uh, Instagram page so I can let you know his handle here and so you can check him out at the tennis mindset expert again that's the tennis mindset expert and look for his post about our uh, podcast episode and obviously you know this will apply if you're listening you know around the end of 
November. So I'm not exactly sure when Nathan is going to call the drawing off, but probably within the, you know, the next few days after the episode is published on November 25 of 2020. Um, But regardless of when you listen to this episode, I think you'll get a lot of value from it. And again, I'm going to present you a pretty insightful interview on how to transform your mindset and reach your true tennis potential with Nathan DeVere. So let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Falls podcast. Uh, It's really a pleasure and an honor to have Nathan DeVere on the podcast. And today we're going to talk about how you can transform your mindset and reach your true potential. I think this is an area that a lot of people are uh, always asking me about and I wonder about myself. You know, I've had some struggles with the mental side of things and it's often one of the most important aspects of the game that uh, we need to improve upon. So uh, first off, Nathan, thanks a lot for joining us and it's really great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, for sure. Um, so yeah, I've obviously got a lot of questions for you, Nathan. Um, you know, you're a mental performance expert and you know, I've seen all the great reviews that uh, your clients have, have given you. So uh, I guess we can, we can just jump right in here. Has the mental game always been an area that you've excelled at or did you, uh, like myself, uh, struggle with this area as well at some point in your career? Yeah, so um, I got started actually uh, with mindset because it was uh, a very big struggle for me when I was younger. Uh, It started for me when I was like 12 years old when things got a bit more serious for me. And uh, it was pretty bad. I got so nervous in matches where um, I couldn't hit a single ball anymore over the net. Uh, And it got actually to a point for me where I used to hyperventilate, throw up in tennis matches even, where my mom had to be on the court. So... uh, yeah, it was a, a big struggle for me. And that was kind of the motivation for me just to help myself, uh, yeah, like first. And now, obviously, I'm helping others as well. Yeah, I mean, I've had the same experiences. I remember as a junior, at some point, I would even, you know, be scared to play a certain player or I'd worry about how I'd be looked at if I didn't win against this opponent. And so it's uh, it's always been tough. I mean, do you remember a specific match that, uh, you know, probably would be interesting for people to hear about where you can get into some detail and then what happened uh, as like probably a bad memory. So sorry to bring it up. <laughs> Oh, sure, sure. Uh, putting me on the spot right here. No, all good. I, um, maybe one memory was where I was like uh, like 14 or something where I had to play a match. And uh, a two-hour drive like here in the Netherlands, by the way, is uh, uh, a long drive. I know in the U.S. it's like nothing, but um, um, where uh, I had to throw up like before I, uh, like before we left and my parents were just... Uh, like, oh, there, gosh, there we go again. And uh, then we drove to the tournament. I lost to a guy who I would say, like, normally would be my level. And it was 6 1, 6 0. Oh, and then in no time, we would have to drive back. Uh, and my dad, I guess, was very disappointed. And it was, yeah, it was just not a great experience. So. Yeah, I mean, no worries. I'm sure we've all been through it. Um, I mean, what what kind of what's the cause of um, these types of nerves? Uh, just kind of curious to get into that um, to maybe examine it further. Yeah, no, sure, definitely. Um, it depends for every player. Like, um, it's usually um, it starts when things when they become like more important, and it can be due to uh, afraid to lose, 
what other people are thinking about you maybe like your friends like usually like people that uh, you, you um, look up to like your parents your coach but something that is not being um, discussed very often is like it's not even the how they perceive you but what I've experienced like from working with people it's more the emotions that are associated with that so like um, the feeling of, of being ashamed or disappointed or feeling unworthy or or things like that and and that makes it more um, uncomfortable really and what we want to avoid and the more we want to avoid <clears throat> avoid that yeah uh, the more the nerves kind of show up basically if that makes sense Interesting. Yeah, it does make sense. So, I mean, so I guess what you're saying is rather than ignore or block out these thoughts, I mean, do we, I guess we tackle it head on? Like, how do we end up, you know, what do we do? How do we tackle it head on? Yeah, it's a good point because um, I feel like sometimes there's a bit of a misperception or a um, about it because uh, some people say, well, we just have to uh, block it off and just go. Or some people might say, you just have to face your fears just overcome it and i've tried it and it did really help for me for some people like it helps to just face the fears if they have a certain level of confidence but in general what needs to what needs to happen is to uh, actually let go of the fear so mm. let's say you have a pressure of um like you don't want to lose let's say mm. if you can learn to be okay actually with losing that match the pressure will subside and it might sound a bit um, counterintuitive because some people might say well are you going to stop trying like are you just not going to care and that's not it because you you do want to give your 100 percent. like you do want to hey of course you're there to win you're going you know you're there like to uh, to be at your best but at the same time at the same if you lose or if you play bad that you can be okay with that as well and uh it's easier said than done obviously and that's like the process that um i take um people through but that's basically a go-to tip that you can use in the moment right away to accept or be okay with like let's say a worst case um scenario if that makes sense yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because it made me think about um, my junior career. And, you know, I've seen players do this as well as I, I myself at some point where, you know, I'm playing a match against a player and then it's close. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, it's almost like a lazy thought comes into my head where I say, yeah, you know, it's fine if I lose, whatever, you know. So then at that point, then you kind of stop giving your full intensity. So you're saying that it's it's different where it said you just, you're going to try your best, but you still say like, well, you know, I'm fine with whatever the outcome is as long as I give my best effort. Is that pretty much what you're getting at? Yeah, you got to see it sort of as a, a balance. When um, I work with players, I um, have like a, I'm not sure, like, can you see? Can you see my arm here correctly, mm -hmm. or is it out of the screen? Maybe it's so. Like basically, how much, uh, how attached you are to the outcome. Let's say mm -hmm. if this is the middle, is my hand in the middle of the screen? By the way, or is pretty, it, is pretty much? Yeah, uh, that's good. Okay, this is better. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Sure. So uh, if if here's like the flow, let's say you're like in the zone. If you're like too much, let's say on the right side where you're where you care or where you're too attached to the result 
or like an easier word is maybe where you make it really important. Mm -hmm. This is when you feel more of the pressure, right? And like you get more tight and actually studies are showing that it increases the chances on um, injuries as well, which happen more in matches as well. So that's an important uh, side and maybe for people who have injuries to mm. also realize, hey, the mental game also helps with um, to reduce the chances of um, injuries. But uh, to get back to my point, so here's then the flow. And then let's say here's like an area where you don't care. <clears throat> don't care too much. It's kind of like, well, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just here for fun, whatever. It doesn't really matter. This is where, this is where you lose your focus. So you want to get to like, of course it's tough to find a perfect balance and to always be in flow. Like it's always like finding the sweet spot. And, and by the way, if someone is telling you who has the secrets to flow, then <laughs> unless you're like a sort of an enlightened human being, I guess I wouldn't say believe that person right away but um yeah you want to give your best your 100 percent, but at the same time okay uh yeah with whatever you're you want to try and um avoid so um i mean that's a great great visual there and appreciate that so um you know, it made me think about like the pros where it's kind of funny how, you know, us mere mortals or amateurs, when we play a tournament, um, often there's not even any money at stake or anything. But then you look at the professionals and they have, you know, not only a huge sums of money sometimes, especially in Grand Slams, obviously, um, but uh, also, you know, a bunch of points and um, financial obligations where you could easily be thinking, oh, if I don't win this round, then I won't have enough money for, you know, my coach etc so um how do the pros handle all this pressure and and how why do we still <laughs> get super nervous and sometimes maybe more nervous than them um even though we don't have you know those types of pressures yeah it's a great question like you've seen like maybe you've watched um you know the u.s open final that uh where Sverev and team mm -hmm. were both had their moments where they uh, had a lot of pressure so I think it's key for people just to know that like, hey, you're not the only one who is experiencing some nerves or, or some of the pressure, like even the pros have it too. But what I always um, share with them is that like the degree or the intensity of the nerves is not uh, as high compared to uh, like the average players. It's like the, uh, the pros are able to play more freely and that's also why they're at the top because you don't see many pros who get tights in, in, in every match. And after that, you ask like a way to deal with that or a way to um, why the average player um, yeah, why, has it too? Right. Why, why the average player sometimes even has more stress than a pro professional player who has like all these other, you know, money, points, et cetera, on the line. Mm, sure. Yeah. It all comes down to eventually um, self-worth and like the people who experience a lot of pressure have usually, yeah, like some challenges with their, with their self-esteem and with their self-worth as well. And if that's basically on the line, so like, let's say if they play worse or if they lose, if that's associated to how they feel about themselves, um then that's a big hurdle and um many pros i think have have developed a high self uh, 
worth from a young age or uh, they've done mental training. Uh, so, uh, yes. Gotcha. So, I mean, so I guess, is it really important for players to, to remember that, you know, tennis is just tennis and they'll try their best there, but then, you know, they're still a great person and they've got all these other things in life as well. And so just cause you lose, it doesn't mean that you're somehow less worthy than, um, than you, than you actually are. Yeah, uh, exactly. And that sort of needs to sink in at a, a subconscious level because you can tell it to a kid or to a, a person and then I think, oh, that's great. But then when they play a match, like all the fears and the pressure will come up. So, um, yeah, when I work with players, I have like an entire, how do you say it? Like, um, many methods sort of combined, mm. uh, yeah, like to tie it all together. But, um, yeah, like that's basically what it is. Like it helps really for players to realize that, Hey, even though if tennis feels like your entire life, I always encourage players to also enjoy spending time with friends, um, have some hobbies that you enjoy and to feel good about that or have your sense of enjoyment in other areas of life as well. Because let's, because let's say if you get injured as a competitive tennis player or even as a professional tennis player, and if tennis is your entire life, if, um, you know, if that's your um, identity and that's who you are and you can't do that anymore, then like it's very tough mentally uh, yeah, to deal with that. So that's why I always uh, encourage the other things as well. Yeah, that's that's really solid, um, Nathan. So something that I uh, found interesting on your uh, website and just trying to get a sense of your philosophy about the mental game and mindset, you mentioned that traditional sports psychology with techniques like breathing exercises, rituals, and positive affirmations don't create lasting transformations. So I was wondering, you know, why these techniques aren't enough, you know, by themselves to to change your mental game and your mindset. Yeah, it's a good point. So, um, yeah, like I mentioned, uh, when I got started with the mental game and everything, I was about, uh, 14 years old. And then I remember like, I would, uh, try and sing a song or do like a breathing method or, uh, or try to be all positive or be confident or tell myself those kind of things. And in the moments they would maybe help for, you know, here and there when the pressure would come up or when, uh, I would start to be negative. But let's say if I would make a mistake again, or if I would be, uh, uh, have a break point, then the nurse would come up again more. So I think in the moment it can definitely, uh, it has its value. It's, you know, it, it can definitely help, but in order to make a lasting shift with your mindset and to really make a transformation is to shift your, uh, identity to really become basically a new person. And sometimes you have a tendency to think like, well, I'm just the way I am, but you can actually change and rewire your mind. And, um, yeah, it's like what I do, like one of the tools that I do is, um, I help them to become very relaxed, sort of in a uh, meditative state of mind. And this is where you have, um, the access with your subconscious mind. And that's basically where all the programming and all some of your beliefs and, and things are stored. Uh, like the nerves and things like that. So, and that's uh, how you basically get into the um, operating system, as I like to call it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
so I guess I want to dig a little bit deeper into the re- reprogramming phase. Uh, you know, I mean, what what's like maybe like the first step or the first two steps to to getting started on that journey of, uh, you know, even if you're a super nervous person and you struggle so much that you can still uh, change yourself and your your mindset? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, this is kind of like the secret sauce that I use when I work with players because this is yeah, like this is so important, really, to really make a lasting transformation. And uh, oh, just on a side on something that just came up actually now is that too. Sometimes with mental training, if if you only do it with your conscious mind, like I just mentioned, like a breathing method or a positive affirmation, yeah, it just won't. Like in order to really make a shift, you really have to make a commitment to yourself and to stay very uh, and to do it on a daily basis. So when I work with players, uh, like I just uh, share with them, I bring them in a uh, a calm state of mind and almost kind of a meditative uh, state of mind. Mm. And then step number one is always to become really uh, aware and to be clear about some of the patterns that are really holding you back. So, okay, so let's say if you're, you know, a competitive player and you, in matches, you feel more pressure. Okay, like what is triggering that? Like, is it that in the beginning of a match or on a break point? And again, to realize that, okay, what am I trying to avoid here? Maybe you feel more when people are watching you and then to recontextualize that and to see like, hey, uh, to look at it with a new way, uh, in a new way that uh, helps them feel them more free and empowered. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so I guess one specific example that I actually, this is <laughs> what I feel sometimes, um, you know, it's been been tough on occasion. So, like, let's say you're playing in a USCA league, and it's like a you know sectionals, the last match, and then your so your main of uh, you know source of being nervous uh, is your your teammates uh, and you know trying to win for them, and it's very tight. And if you win, then you'll advance to nationals or something like that. So, like, if you're mainly preoccupied with that sort of pressure, then I mean, what's something that we could do to uh, to help with that situation? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, I've had this myself, actually. When I played uh, Division One college tennis, I had to play, uh, like, every now and then I had these, you know, where you uh, have to clinch, right? And I had, there was this one moment where I had uh, match points uh, and it was uh, senior day, so I felt really bad, actually, about mm. uh, some of my teammates who were seniors. I felt so disappointed. I was, so this is a good example, actually. And... Um, it's about finding an empowering meaning, even though it doesn't work out. So, um, well, let's say if you feel responsible for, uh, winning the match, let's say to realize that, well, Hey, you know, everyone is playing their own part and you're doing your best, the best that you can. And to realize that, Hey, even though you lost, even though they are disappointed in you, you've done everything that you that you can. And for some players, that realization can give them a sense of like, okay, well, I've done everything that I could. Or let's say, even if they are disappointed in you, and you feel a sense of, um, I don't know, maybe you feel ashamed. And to realize, well, okay, I will feel ashamed. 
maybe I've experienced it in the past before and it's really the end of the world, you know? Something I do as well with players is to, I compare it with something that is much bigger. So like, let's say, maybe they've had an experience where they met some homeless people who don't even have food mm -hmm. and people are dreaming of playing college tennis or to be in their shoes. And, and to connect with the gratitude of that, let's say. Yeah, no, that's one thing that I, I really, a technique that I really enjoy and help, has helped me a lot. You know, sometimes when I'm not playing so well or having a frustrating session, I actually do think of how lucky I am to be able to play tennis. Um, we, you know, think of how many billions of people who can't even afford a racket or even tennis balls or they don't have courts or their country is, you know, in civil war. So um, that, you know, th those types of things really help a lot. And so that's a great technique that you're saying that, you know, if you have lost a match and I, you know, you think about the bigger picture and I've heard also, um, you know, even teams and players who have suffered big losses, they talk about, well, you know, it's nothing compared to, you know, the pandemic, let's say, or other things. So, um, that's a great technique. Um, really good stuff there. Um, Nathan, so how about uh, losing streaks? So let's say you've got a player who, and I, I think I saw this even on your website, you know, a player who um, they have like a big losing streak and they can't seem to put it together. Like what steps do you usually take in order to uh, get that player to still, you know, perform and, and play to their best of their ability without like having that in their mind that they've been losing for a while? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Um... In most cases, if people lose, they feel worse about themselves because how well they played is tied to that. And um, so it's key then to, it depends on the, on the person specifically, first of all, but I can just pick an example. Let's uh, that's a common one where people come to me for it. So let's say, you know, they feel they don't have that sense of confidence in their matches because they've lost many in a row and they feel less confident because they feel more pressure right now because of um, they don't want to lose again. To, to recontextualize it and to come up with reasons why it's not for playing, but to, let's say, just by shifting to enjoying the match, let's say. And by hey, whether you're going to win or not today, that's out of your control, even though it might feel like it's in your control many players they think also that how well they play is in their control but even that is not really in your control because i'm sure that uh, if you're listening to this and you tried your best you gave your 100 percent, but it still didn't go the way you want so to let go of that and to focus on enjoyment is one suggestion mm, i like it you know, one thing that's really uh, obviously, you know, crucial to playing well is um, to keep your focus and your concentration. And I've got this email tons of times where the player says, hey, like my biggest issue is mental game and I can't seem to focus or I'll get up, you know, six two four two, and then all of a sudden my, you know, I'll just explode in terms of mentally and forget my, um, you know, I might lose my concentration and focus and then I'll just lose. So um, what's the key to, uh, to maintaining focus and concentration as tennis players? Yeah, some of the mistakes that people sometimes make is that, well, they just have, have, just have to focus better. Or let's say if you're on a, a losing streak with the previous question that you just asked, like I just have to work harder. 
But if you understand that how well you play is always a result of your state of mind, if you believe that to be true and to realize, okay, so I just have to reduce the mental, like the overthinking, the pressure, the frustration. And because usually it's not really uh, that you lose your focus. That is the problem. That's usually one of the symptoms I've noticed from working with people is that like uh, usually let's say they lose their focus when they're up in the score with 6-2. You know, you just want to set with 6-2 and then suddenly you lose your, uh, your focus. So why is that? And sometimes it comes down to a fear of losing actually. So for instance, if you win with 6-2 and um, if you like, now if you lose, it's worse because you've won the first set with 6-2. So if you try and you lose, that makes it even worse usually for players. Like let's say if you you give it your uh, 100%, it's worse than if you kind of don't really give your 100% and you lose. It's Sometimes this is unconscious, by the way, for players, but it's sometimes even an excuse to not give their best and, and then they say, well, I lost my focus or things like that. Uh, but it makes losing not as bad. So instead of working on your focus, usually you have to work on the cause, which is uh, reducing the pressure, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so uh, one other qu- uh, question is uh, dealing with people who get really upset um, when they're on the court. So these, these are the types of players that they'll make a few errors in a row and then all of a sudden they'll start yelling at themselves. Uh, <laughs> so uh, how do we help these players sure. with that situation? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we're getting the whole range of players. I, I like it. <laughs> uh, with all the um, mental... Ch- no, no, it's good. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's um, helpful for players. Um, because usually, you know, like if you make one mistake, it's, it's not so bad. But then you make a second and a third and mm-hmm. things slowly start to creep in. And that's when we usually smash a record or, <laughs> you know, we yell or smack a ball away. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it's key that even though you make one mistake to already, for instance, accept the mistakes because if you don't, they slowly add up, add up, add up. And again, with mental training, you can't just kind of wing it or kind of try it. And that's like sometimes uh, the, the problem that uh, tennis players have, like they said, I've tried mental training or it doesn't work for me, but it takes uh, a real commitment. and. Um, yeah, just one of the simplest ways uh, is um, acceptance um, when that happens and to make it a priority to actually master or to, you know, improve your mindset uh, and make that more important than winning the match. And it becomes uh, easier to understand if you realize that, again, that how well you play is always a result of your state of mind. And if it really sinks in and if you see the evidence of it, um, if you haven't already, then it becomes more fun, tennis, and you start to play better as well. So, Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. 
Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a great piece of advice there. And yeah, I mean, I think the common theme so far or one of the common themes is just being realistic uh, and setting, you know, your expectations at the proper point. Because I, I, you know, this this makes me think of um, uh, Craig O'Shaughnessy and, you know, just in general, like the statistics on the tours where like the number one player, you know, in the world is is winning like 50 some percent of the points, like 53 percent, like or, or even less. And so that tells you right there that, you know, you're not going to be winning every single point. Things will happen. I mean, also, you know, it's probably too much information, but I've been looking, you know, lately more at uh, investing and, you know, how to do that. And then, I mean, with those, like, you know, for, in the long term, you can win, but in the short term, you have all these ups and downs and it's just a normal part of the game that you just have to accept. Uh, is going to happen. So yeah, it's it's really important there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So how about players who feel like we're, you know, we have this potential inside of us to be to be really great, but it seems like we're not unlocking it. Um, do you have any advice on on for us to uh, to help us unlock our potential that we feel is there, but we're not quite getting to or progressing towards? Yeah. Again, it's. Um very specific to the person uh, because for some, like this is what I um, am working now on a program to create an environment. I've done some uh, one-on-one coaching, but uh, I'm moving into the group coaching because I realized that it really inspires other people. If you're surrounded by people who are also on the same path by working on your mindset, let's say if you work on your mindset, then it helps if other people also understand what you're going through instead of you know not supporting you maybe or trying to focus really on the outcome whereas you're focused more on the process let's say i think the the biggest key for reaching your potential timothy galway actually uh, has this great uh, formula he doesn't share this in his first book but in his uh, other books he does talks about it more but again it's it all comes down to how well you play is always a result of your um, mindset at that moment. So if you reduce the mental interference, like the pressure and the doubts or frustration, the overthinking, the potential will naturally, it will come out more. Like if you look at um, Yannick Sinner, for instance, a great guy, you know, he's, he's just been moving up the rankings and rankings. And I feel like, one of the keys, I don't know him personally, uh, I would love to get to know him, but um, I think it's just because he he doesn't have a lot of mental interference. He's playing so freely and so uh, in the moment. You see him rarely really get upset. And that's also one of the keys also by um, mastering your mindset, you make faster progress. So, Are there any players that actually need to get mad at themselves i mean obviously like there's so many different players on tour and everywhere and it seems like there are some players that you know do get more frustrated than others but 
you know, they're still doing well. So is that at all necessary? I don't know, like for them to get their juices flowing or whatnot, or is it pretty much always going to be counterproductive to get, uh, to get angry? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I have this question. Uh, many players ask me this question, but, um, uh, one of the, yeah, it, it depends if you are able to resolve this f for yourself internally, then I suggest that, but for some players, it can be great to just yell it out. Of course, I'm not a big fan of uh, smacking your racket or <laughs> smacking a ball away or and doing that kind of thing. But that's actually a better way to release it than to uh, crop it up inside you. Because if you hold it back, but it's still sort of, I always use this, um, uh, use this metaphor of a, a volcano. Like it sort of, it stirs up and slowly builds up and builds up. And then you make that one mistake and then bang, there you smash your, throw your record or whatever you're doing. So if you can't solve it internally, then a yell is a good way to just kind of let go. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think in all my years of playing the game, uh, a couple of decades, I, I think, or maybe three. But the only time that I feel that getting angry helped me is this one time I was uh, playing in uh, what they call zonal. So they take the top like 10 or so players, or maybe if it was 15, to play other sections in the United States. And then I was losing to this player like 6-2-5-1. And then my dad, uh, he, he was bringing me or asking me if I wanted a bagel. And then I, I yelled and uh, said I didn't need a bagel and like I was basically really frustrated but then uh, you know all of a sudden I that made that anger into um, the thought that like there's no way I'm going to lose this match and then somehow I came back so that was the only time I remember it helping for me so I think it's kind of like we, what you said you know maybe if you can channel it uh, towards actually a positive thing uh, then it'll help but um, yeah otherwise a lot of times it's just gonna <laughs> put you in the tailspin. So, um, just want to bring that story up. So, uh, also practices. So we get this question commonly where the players, they will be playing really well in practices. I mean, go figure, you know, it's not <laughs> nothing on the line. And then all of a sudden during match play, that's when they're not playing well and they're getting tight and everything. So what types of, um, you know, advice do you have for us to be able to, to uh, have more parity in terms of um, how well we're playing in practices versus matches? Yeah. Um, well, it all comes down to, um, like I just uh, shared, like um, here, like the importance is, is high. And that's why in matches, like the frustrations, the emotions, and the pressure increases too. And the mental interferences basically increases is increasing and that reduces um, or makes you play worse basically. So it comes down again to how can you reduce the importance a lesson transformation like you have to do it on a subconscious level and shift your identity. But uh, I just shared earlier that you can reduce the importance by being okay with uh, a worst case scenario. Another tool that you can use is to bring your mind back to the moment because if you feel more pressure, if you're playing worse, you're usually thinking about the score more and the more you're in your head, usually the worse you play. So by bringing your mind to the moment, so you know, you're not gonna think about the future or about the past, but just being in a moment, 
that's where the pressure will reduce as well. So uh, making that a routine in matches uh, between points, for instance, is, uh, is a valuable tool. Gotcha, Nathan. And when you uh, work with your clients, do you is there any sort of um, exercise or, or routines that you that you prescribe them to do maybe daily or very frequently throughout a week to help them just overall with their their mindset? I'm a big fan of uh, meditation uh, because it helps you to become more aware. Usually, like we do everything on autopilot, uh, so if you're on autopilot then you're not aware of the pressure or the things i heard many times even uh was it uh Swiatek who just won um roland garros she her coach told her that she played worse in a match but she didn't even realize that after she watched herself back on the replay and uh and she's like oh i was so tight so sometimes we don't even realize it so awareness is always the first step to become aware, hey, how am I feeling? And, and even though sometimes when I work with players, they don't even feel the pressure or the fact that they're not as confident. But if you play worse, it's actually already um, like an indicator that your your um, that your mindset is off in some way. Got it. Got it. So I don't know. Obviously, you have a lot of clients, but there was one... Um... I guess, testimonial from uh, Mark S. So shout out to Mark. But uh, he mentioned that by using a few simple tools from you, he noticed improvements in his play. So I was wondering if you could kind of speak to uh, to any of these tools that you can remember uh, using with Mark or just tools in general um, that have helped your clients. Uh, Mark, it's been a while. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what I told him because I'm working with so many, but uh, a tool. So um uh something we haven't discussed in this uh episode so um, one of the tools that i also just uh share is um reflecting on your tennis let's say like so besides the mindset tools i also work on just how to improve your performance and your tennis and to see hey what are the best in the world doing that you can utilize as well to help you with your tennis and i see so many tennis players they they work really hard but then like they work maybe on too many things or they it's a bit here and a bit that. So one of the tools is just to see, hey, reflecting on your game, let's say, for instance, on your tennis and just seeing like, hey, what works and what doesn't work, whether it's a focus exercise or just working on a specific thing and just to raise your awareness actually of, hey, what's working and what's not. Perfect. So Nathan, uh, so clutch playing. So, okay. So we have a player who, uh, it seems like when it's, you know, six all five all in the tiebreak or something like that, they just seem to not be able to get the, um, you know, get it going or they, they seem to always lose those points. Um, so, uh, for these players who have trouble playing it well in the big moments, what, uh, advice do you have for these players? Yeah. So, uh, again, like they play worse due to the mental interference, obviously that's is coming up because it's more important that point. And, um, so it's key, like not to get too hyped up or to act all confident because that's fake or like you, you need to feel actually, uh, more free in order to play better. So one way is to 
bring uh, your um, thinking mind basically to your senses where you become more present. Very simple, but yeah, very powerful. Got it. And uh, for sometimes I get confused or I, I guess I did. I know myself a little better now, but in terms of like how hyped should I be before a match? You know, I remember, you know, one match I was just super relaxed and then didn't, didn't go very well. And then another I was listening to, you know, crazy, uh, you know, uh, fast music. Uh, and then I was also um, like just not playing as well either. So um, how do we figure out what type of player we are in terms of like, you know, how uh, intense or, um, yeah, or excited we should be before a match? Yeah, I hear this from so many players about like, what should I do before a match? What's like the best uh, pregame routine? And in order to, uh, sorry, let me just get a quick sip of water. Sure. If you, so like we understand that the pressure is coming from trying to play well or needing to win or not wanting to lose. And if you're basically using tools in order to to play better or to avoid losing, then you're still playing the same game in your mind basically, which is creating the pressure in the first place. So, that's also kind of what I mentioned with uh, the traditional sports uh, psychology sometimes where they give some tools where you're still, you know, you might feel or play like a little bit better, but you're still dealing with the pressure and things like that. So uh, the key is not to look as uh, so much to the physical things that you can do before a match, like let's say listen to the best music or whatever, but it's actually a lot more valuable to reduce the importance in the first place because, you know, let's say um, if if your phone isn't working or if if something is not working and you can't do uh, your routine that's perfect, then you know, then then what? Then then you you create even more pressure. So uh, of course, Nadal is lucky that he can always put his bottles straight mm-hmm. so you found a routine that you can always do but it's much more valuable to actually yeah to reduce the the meaning basically so you're not as worried about playing or winning in the first hand because yeah once you let go of that then it doesn't really matter if you listen to music or if you do a good of course you want to do the best warm-up possible but it's from a more relaxed state of mind got it perfect uh so we you talked about nadal and, and the you know the bottle uh routine i was wondering i mean d- would it help us to also have routines like that because i don't know if it, is it that having that p- puts him in a familiar um train of thought like every single time like the environment is similar so that helps him uh, operate uh similarly and and perform well is that the case or is it just like you know something that isn't too inconsequential or is inconsequential sure that's a good point uh again it's not about uh or one of the traps here is to by making that very important like okay i need to do this in order to feel good so then i can play well i suggest routines uh because it helps you to 
bring yourself uh, into the right state of mind where uh, it's habitual and you don't have to think about too many things and you can just, yeah, you can just be in the moment, but uh, just be mindful of why you're doing it. Gotcha, Nathan. Perfect. So uh, who is a, a professional tennis player, male or female, that you feel embodies uh, your philosophy and, and the, the mental uh, game characteristics that you would want to see in all of your clients and players? Huh, that's a good question. Um, Please don't say McEnroe. <laughs> <laughs> don't say McEnroe. Marat Safin. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because um, I don't really have a, a big, like one person that I always think like, hey, that's the person. Sometimes I'm also kind of a fan of Nadal, but then on another day, I'm a fan of uh, Djokovic and then of, mm. about uh, I love uh, uh, watching Federer. So um, I'm sorry, guys, I don't have this one guy that I love. But um, what I notice is I tend to love the, love the players who are always or like who are in the zone at that moment. At the moment right now, I think... Yannick Sinner is a great example. He's still very young, but he is so free. And of course, every now and then he, I think he does throw his record. So maybe not the, the best example, but I think, you know, there's not a perfect player, obviously, but I think he is such a great example of, of keeping his cool, keeping his focus. He still, uh, he, he fights for every point, but he's really, yeah free in his mind yeah yeah definitely uh and so how do you get a player to to just get to be more motivated and play more intense you know you have a client who you can see that they're very talented i mean maybe to some degree we could think about curios like this but um you know they 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 have great potential but then it just seems like they're not giving that next level effort. So how do you get this player to indeed uh, give that amount of, you know, the effort required to get to the next level? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, again, it really depends on the person because um, uh, the environment can help a lot, but I think it's important to understand uh, uh, you look for parents and also uh, for coaches that sometimes the causes can be a little bit like, uh, deeper within because a lack of motivation can sometimes be the result of, of the pressure that someone is putting on themselves because you know every time having to play that match having to deal like with the pressure or the money or with losing and and things like that like if that's on your mind all the time then that will you know really reduce the motivation so then it's not really about being more motivated and pumped up or working even harder, which is unfortunately what some players do, but really going to the root cause and, hey, why are you not, you know, enjoying your tennis or what's like, what's causing the, yeah, like why you're not feeling motivated. So this, uh, yeah, it can differ for uh, everyone, but um, there are two keys. Like one of the keys is, uh, like I've shared, reducing the mental interference, what, uh, is blocking the enjoyment and the excitement and the, and the motivation. And at the same time, learn to tap into your why, like the reason what really motivates you. And um, I always suggest intrinsic motivators uh, to motivate you. 
Got it. And so for those motivators, like what's the proper way to, to go about, I mean, do you, do you just like every single day when you wake up, like you, you think about it or is it like where you think about the whys before the match or during the match? Like what's the preferred way to go about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like again, there's like not like a, a perfect way, but, uh, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, for everyone, this is different, but, uh, I suggest to at least look at your yeah at your why or the reasons that motivate you on a daily basis because uh, it's easy to kind of to get into a routine where it's just you you go through the motions and um so you stir that emotion every day that uh, helps you to inspire you got it and and as far as um as far as writing and journaling, do you have, uh, or is that like a big component of, uh, you know, working with your clients? And then if so, um, any insights into, you know, is this like an everyday thing and, and maybe even like length or what the topic is about? Yeah, this is a, that's a good question. I've actually, um, I do this for myself because, uh, I still compete uh, at a high level as well. I do it after every practice, every match, and it's a habit for me. And I've been uh, trying and experimenting to see, hey, like what works best and how can I do this even more uh, efficient? First of all, I would say start reflecting, uh, like I just mentioned earlier, on your practices and your matches because most players aren't doing it. And if they're doing it, not maybe uh, consistently, so that can help. And to see what went well, what can I improve? Got it. Um, and yeah, uh, as I've, I've said in the intro, um, you before we uh, started speaking, um, you you played Division One tennis at DePaul uh, University. I also played D one tennis at uh, UMBC. Um, uh, so yeah, you you played at a great high level, and you play right now. Uh, Double headed question, I guess, is um, you know what uh, types of um, tournaments or you know level are you playing at now, and then also. Uh, what is like something that, you know, even with uh, all your knowledge in the mental game sphere, uh, what is one thing that maybe you've struggled with recently as far as uh, the mental side? Sure. So at the moment, I play, I guess, um, money tournaments in the Netherlands. Futures uh, is what I plan to play as well. Um, and something I've struggled with. First of all, I, uh, I shared this actually also uh, the other day on my social media that I'm still a human too and I still have my struggles as well. Like it's not that since I, of course, I know quite a lot and I have made a lot of progress that I still have my challenges and I just want people to know that it's okay to have challenges, first of all, because acknowledging it is usually one of the toughest things and I've had it as well for myself, like to acknowledge the fact like, hey, even though I may a mindset coach and I'm helping all these people that's to acknowledge, Hey, I still have some challenges as well. And to be open about it and to be like, Hey, sometimes in matches, I have some pressure too. for instance, at the beginning of a match a bit more and, and things like that. So I think it's key also just for people and for tennis players to, to learn like, Hey, it's okay to be vulnerable because that is usually what's holding so many players back from really asking for help, uh, whether it's a to- uh, just a coach or shared with their parents, because we all feel like we have to sort of, you know, we have to show uh, a good composure in, in society today or like in a tennis world, you know, or like everyone, or I don't want to say everyone, but many players are sort of 
hiding maybe some of their insecurities. And that's what I also really appreciate with um, Dominic Thiem, let's say. He shared also, I think, uh, after he lost the final that, or when he played against Djokovic in the semis, that like, hey, I got super tight. I actually had a lot of pressure. And to realize like, hey, we're all just humans. It's okay. Yeah, 100%. Um... And along with that, or, you know, maybe it's a little different question, but how about players? And I've, you know, I've had this a lot and it's very difficult to, to this type of situation, but like when you're playing somebody who's a lot better than you, or at least like rankings wise, you know, let's say you're playing the number two seed, um, you know, at this point, once they see the matchup, a lot of players that that's it, like they already have lost before the match has begun. So how do you say, or what can you give me in terms of advice for people to cope with this uh, very common situation? Yeah, no, that's a, a great point because this is a, a big thing for many players. When you look up to someone who has a higher UTR, who's higher on the rankings or whatever in the lineup. So it's important to to develop the belief in themselves like hey i can and more importantly i deserve to beat these type of players even though it's a ranking or even though so something that can help sometimes is to realize that hey i I've, I've beaten players like this before even if it was in a practice or even though when I work with players, like I make them write down also some of these experiences like to see and to really develop the belief that, hey, you know, I can and deserve to be these type of players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's a great technique. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm actually forgetting what domain this was, if it was tennis or not. But, um, you know, when you're trying to achieve something uh, really, uh, I guess, big in life, then a lot of times it helps similarly to think about, you know, what types of big things that I achieved before. And then that kind of gives you the belief that, you know, I can replicate this. I've done it before, you know, in a similar vein. So uh, that's a really good, really good technique. Um uh, just generally uh, about mindset and, and meditation, actually, I want to ask you about that a little bit. Right, do you have any parameters uh, in terms of like how long do you think meditation is like a rough uh, band on that and, and also frequency that you think will really make a difference, uh, you know, with, with our mindset? Like, you know, is, for example, is five minutes a day enough or do we need to do more? That type of thing. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I've been meditating for a couple of years now and only actually until recently I've gone, I have had a lot more benefit from the meditations. And like I used to just kind of sit down for 10 minutes and uh, just focus on my breath. But um, it's key to, let's say, if you're focused for 10 minutes, but then like the 23 hours and the 50 minutes for the rest of your day, you're you know like you're on your phone like these things with like uh your social media and everything that's been going on (laughs) you know so many players are just in it's actually uh training your mind to be distracted Mm. uh because it's just it's made to um with the purpose almost like to keep you sort of addicted almost so like i think meditation is a great tool uh, when I work with players, I give them um, visualizations that they don't have to sit down for like one time for uh, 20 minutes, but something is very short and more repetitive because mm. that is like what programs subconscious mind form. 
Um, but to answer your question, meditation, I would highly recommend it for uh, everyone just to start it. And again, repetition is key, but also to be aware of your mind during the day and some of your habits, because if you're behind social media too long, then that, uh, yeah, it can negatively impact your tennis as well. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, you bring up a great point. I think that social media, obviously, you know, these, these companies are trying to get you to watch your screens as much as possible on their particular platform or app. And so, um, you know, you're battling against these geniuses who are doing everything they can to get you addicted to the, the screens. Mm-hmm. And so there's actually a great book. Uh, well, I mean, from what I've heard, I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to order it soon called Indistractable by, I think, Near Eyal. Uh, apologies if I get that uh, incorrect, but that I hear. Near Patel or? Mm, it might oh, be. Uh, near Eyal. Yeah. 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 Eyal, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, so really good one there. Um, yeah. I think Neil Patel is a different uh, guy with the internet uh, business and stuff. But yeah. Um, so, definitely something to think about um, and, and that it can have a big impact in, um, you know, your ability to concentrate on the court as well. Um, so consistency in results, uh, what are some keys to, to being more consistent with your results and just generally being more consistent in your um, positive uh, mindset? Yeah, good point. Uh, because in tennis, it's all about consistency. Everyone can have one great day or one, you know, be one great guy, but you see that the best in the world and especially at the higher levels, consistency is what separates uh, you know, like the best from the rest. So, and that comes down to being consistent with uh, your habits. And that again is a result of a consistent mindset because that has an impact on your actions, uh, on the actions that you take. So it comes down to, again, how well you play is always, again, like I keep sharing it, but I know for people it helps um, mm-hmm. to sink in deeper that it is always that how well you play is always a, a result or a reflection of your mindset. So instead of focusing on, I have to play better or I have to change my swing or my technique, I suggest to focus on, Hey, how can I bring myself in a better state of mind and having the trust that by doing that, I will automatically play better tennis. So, you know, making, or, um, if you make winning the, uh, inner game priority that i think is one of the best ways to improve your consistency excellent stuff nathan totally agree with that you know we just mentioned a book although it wasn't quite you know uh, uh directly related to tennis or the mental game but it well the mindset it, it was but um what are three books that you would give to a friend to help them uh, improve their uh, mindset three books uh I suggest uh, the inner game of tennis. I I think it's a, a great one. I think actually, instead of maybe reading three books, uh, I always try to keep things really simple because the more overwhelmed and the more strategies you have, the more you start to think. So I actually, this may be a, a different kind of answer, but to dive deep into one book and really master the fundamentals of it. He has actually, um, uh, Timothy Galway has a, a second book as well. And I'm not sure, I think you can find it on Amazon, but uh, 
I think it's actually a, a better book than his first uh, in a game of tennis. Mm. It's uh, called Inner Tennis uh, Playing the Game, I think. Um, but it, it's a bit more uh, practical uh, compared to the first book, but uh, I highly recommend that. Very nice. I didn't even realize they had a second book. I know the the first one was very iconic, so it's exciting to hear that the second one is yeah. potentially even better. Great. Excellent stuff. Um, it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a fun question and usually provokes a good amount of thought uh, from the guests. So uh, if you were able to uh, erect a huge billboard, you know, maybe the most highly trafficked city, you know, in, let's say in Amsterdam uh, or area in Amsterdam where you live, uh, and you could write anything that you wanted on it, um, what would you put on that billboard? Just in a city or for tennis players more specifically? Oh, um, I would say more specifically for tennis players in regards to the mental game. Gotcha. A billboard. Um, I would suggest, um, yeah, <laughs> this is a tough, tough one. On the spot, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're putting me on the spot here again. I think, um, yeah, I know I might sound a bit boring or repetitive but how well you play as a result of your state of mind at that moment always Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's huge that's super important if you don't take anything else away i think that uh, by itself uh, will be a great thing to remember and uh obviously want to talk about uh you know maybe the type of things that that you're doing right now and uh you know the best place for people to reach you as well and you know any services curious that if people are interested where um you know what they could potentially get from you yeah no sure yeah so um right now i work with people uh one-on-one i'm working actually like uh i just uh shared before um briefly on a, a group coaching program uh where i just want to put everything that i have into one program because i have to share and teach many things to players but um yeah that they just have it that they have uh, access to that for themselves but this is just something i'm still working on but uh, yeah the best place uh, people can reach out to me is they can go to my website nathandevere.com uh and my facebook i share uh, on my facebook i share some things uh some tools as well just nathan affair and on uh instagram uh the tennis mindset uh expert perfect excellent excellent and so i guess i guess we can ask you this question which i love to do at the end of the the show this i know you've given us a lot of great tips but uh what is one key tip that uh, you can give to the audience to help them improve their mindset one key tip. Uh, okay, well, I guess I'll try to try to find something that I haven't shared yet before. <laughs> the secret tip. Um, one key tip. I think it's to lower their brain brain wave state. Actually, um, by lowering your brain wave state, you automatically feel more calm. It's easier to be in a moment. You have less overthinking frustrations or fears uh there are many ways to do it but uh, by um bringing your minds to your senses to uh your feel 
or uh, just um, by looking at the ball, by focusing on your breath. Um, that's just a very simple uh, and practical uh, tool. Wonderful. Love it. Um, and I did notice on your, your website that you have like a, I think a tennis match confidence guide as well, which I think is like yeah. a free download, right? So people can just go to, I guess, NathanDevere.com and, and check that out. Is that right? Yeah, I, uh, I share some free tips in there. So you, uh, you can just have access uh, to that as well. And yeah, actually, um, maybe like if people, um, if people could uh, share this podcast on their uh, Instagram, maybe we could do something for the, uh, for the uh, one person can get, uh, can win a free coaching session uh, with me as a, a thank you for listening uh, to this episode. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. So I guess, um, yeah, we could we could definitely leave that link uh, in the show notes. But I guess basically, so you said somebody, if, if people share this podcast episode, then you'll pick somebody to get a free coaching session. Is that how we'll do it probably? Yeah, like a raffle where um, if you could uh, uh, share that on your Instagram and if they uh, like the post, follow me and share it. Let's say that... Um, you know, we can do one, uh, one lucky person can get uh, a free coaching session with me just as a thank you. Um, Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't even know this was happening. So that's a, that's a great thing. And obviously you want to, take it, it just came up it's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> randomly <laughs> from the great mindset of Nathan. Excellent. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Um, awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely going to let people know about that for sure. Uh, so I guess I just want to close by Asking you, um, you know, A, is there anything that, you know, we might have missed today that you want to talk about uh, briefly or any closing thoughts that you want to let the audience know about? Closing thoughts. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see. I feel like more players are uh, utilizing mental training right now. And I feel like even um, in the mindset space, it's uh, evolving like I've shared with some of the tools are maybe a bit outdated. Uh, and I think more and more players uh, will be benefiting from these tools. And you already see like uh, people like uh, Ashley Barty became the number one in the world after she started to work with a, uh, a mental coach and, mm-hmm. uh, and players like that. And especially at the higher uh, levels, I think it's key because like the differences nowadays are so small and the competition is so strong nowadays. So, and I think, uh, you know, it's just, it has helped me to, to feel better and to play better, uh, reduce my chances on injury. So there are so many benefits to it and also just in other areas of your life. Uh, so, that, so these are some tools that you can just reuse for the uh, rest of your life. And I feel like it's really something that's uh, evolving uh, in tennis because, uh, you know, if you... Um, look at let's say 20 years ago uh like a technique of like if you compare a match of uh john mcenroe against uh bjorn borg with uh roger Federer and uh nadal or Djokovic, it's completely different like uh their technique is different uh like the tactics are different uh they play they hit the ball harder physically they uh they take better care of their body you know roger is like 39 i think right now and he's <laughs> he's still playing and I feel like one of the next uh, developments, which is already, it's already kind of happening, is that mindset will become 
more natural. So I feel like, uh, yeah, like the faster you can take advantage of it, uh, yeah, like the, the more uh, benefits um, you'll get from it. 100%. Uh, Nathan, yeah, I mean, transform your mindset and you'll transform your tennis game and your life as well. So uh, Nathan, just want to thank you uh, for coming on to the podcast and really appreciate you uh, dropping your uh, knowledge bombs, you know, in regards to the mental game and mindset and helping players to really make uh, a big difference in their games through uh, through your uh, philosophies and, and advices. So uh, I highly encourage everybody to check out uh, NathanDevere.com and Nathan's uh, show, social platforms, which we'll all uh, have links to, to all these links uh, on our show notes page. Um, so yeah, Nathan, thanks a lot for coming on to the show and, uh, keep up the great work and, uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with coach Nathan Devere and I highly encourage you to hone in on one or two of the pieces of advice that Nathan gave us that you think is most applicable to your individual unique situation and to practice that and implement it uh, in your training and your matches so that you can reach the next level in your tennis career. Uh, I really do hope that you enjoyed this interview and if you did then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast and you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash apple podcasts or um, in your favorite podcast app. I just find that a review on Apple Podcasts seems to be the most impactful in terms of making the show more visible to everybody else and you know, just helping out the show as well with the whatever algorithms they use. Uh, seems like reviews are really helpful. And you know, most importantly, it's helpful for me to learn uh, what I'm doing well and what I can improve upon for you in the show. I also want to leave you with a quote, as I often love to do at the end of the show, and this one is by Norman Vincent Peale, and Mr. Peale said, Forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future. Uh, this is a very on-point quote in considering what we just talked about, because this is 100% mindset, where we're just focused on uh, achieving and improving uh, you know, every little bit on each day. And of course, you can kind of use the mistakes as a training ground and uh, for the future to not make the same mistake. But at the same time, you don't want to dwell on them. Otherwise, you're not going to have a very good outing on the court or in whatever endeavor you're pursuing. All right. Well, I guess that is the end of the episode of this episode for me and for you. But I look forward to bringing you a lot more to come. And again, if you're listening to this the end of November, then I wish you a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. I know it's very different this year for most of us, but uh, we have to press on, of course. And um, yeah, that's about it. So again, be safe and uh, hope you get to play some tennis and check out that uh, little contest that uh, Nathan is having where you can you can potentially win a free session with him uh, on the mental game if you follow his account his instagram account at the tennis mindset expert and then like and share the podcast post of, of our episode so alrighty, all the best to you take care and we'll see you on the next episode of the tennis files podcast
Take care. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.